0: This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Bring it on, bring it on. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody.
1: Here's Paul Calvisi.
0: So what was the rant you started with last week, Darren? What was it? It was, um, what was the word that it, you, uh, it's being misspelled or misused? I think was, was two weeks ago, was it? Two weeks ago, what was it?
1: The Super Bowl was two words?
0: Oh, that's it. Yes. Okay. Because, uh, well, I have something about a particular word that I'll get to in a moment. Okay. But I need a judgment on the word judgment and how it's spelled. Do you remember the PowerPoint presentation Darren Urban gave about a month ago uh, internally to the department? And he had a slide that had the word judgment, and it was spelled J-U-D-G-E-M-E-N-T. Are you
2: calling me out to see if I was paying attention to Darren's presentation? Because that would be quite rude, Paul.
0: She has. I'm not going to ask you pointed questions about it, because I can tell right now you, you don't have a very good <laughs> recall of Darren's scintillating PowerPoint presentation. How dare you not remember every single word, Danny Sarek, here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Anyway, um, once upon a time, I think it was high school years, I spelled it exactly that way, and I got marked down and I never forgot about it. And sure enough, the more accepted spelling apparently, allegedly, ostensibly, is J-U-D. D, G, minus the E, M-E-N-T. Yes.
2: That's how I would spell it. In U.S.
1: English judgment with no E is the only correct spelling. So I guess really? technically
0: that was incorrect. But Darren, I saw on a lower third Chiron, it was a major news station recently, they had it spelled the way you had it spelled with an E in the middle. Well, then they're wrong. So we need a ruling. Some sort of rendering on whether well, it's I accurate mean, or incorrect. I, I, I did okay. just give you a okay. ruling. Okay. It's the right. only correct spelling. Okay. All right. So,
2: so Darren was wrong. Let's pack it up.
0: Okay. We resolved that one. How about this headline I saw in a business site? Quote, using this one word more often can make you 50% more influential, according to a Harvard study. Is it very? No. <laughs> but it is a simple seven-letter word that you use everyone uses a lot. But they say the word because can change someone's mind. And this goes back into a whole big study, you know, Wharton School of Business, Harvard, this whole thing. Using the word because while trying to convince someone to do something has a compelling result, says the study. Okay, more people will listen to you and do what you want. And they point to a study. Where they position someone near the copy machine in an office place and right when somebody rando would walk up ready to make copies this person would purposely cut in front of them and say they would say may i use the xerox machine which didn't get a very good response because i was just about to use it but if said person walked up and said may i use the xerox machine because i have to make copies that got a more receptive response and the initial person walking (laughs) up But may I use the Xerox machine because I'm in a rush? Actually, was much more likely to result in a favorable outcome.
2: People are getting paid to do studies like this. Based that, that, on the that's word what because. I thought. I'm like,
1: yes. wait a minute! You're doing a study that basically proves that if you give a person a reason, they're more likely to listen to you. Yeah. No,
2: is it? Whoa. Didn't you? Was it last off season, Paul? Didn't you have a whole list of words to use in an email to like sound yeah, smarter? Yes,
0: yes, yes absolutely. You, you know,
2: Paul, you sound smart enough. I'm noticing a trend here. You don't need to change your vocabulary that drastically because, because you're fine just the yeah. way you are.
0: I see. Okay. I see. Wait, so, what are you saying? It's uh, this is revealing some sort of lack of confidence internally. Is that what you're saying, Danny? That I need to
2: I'm just noticing a pattern. Well,
0: I'm just trying to prepare you guys because they say in marketing, for example, there's a uh, for 50 years a certain makeup company has used the catchphrase because you're worth it, and there's a reason that the word because is in there. Interesting. Yes, I'm not a
1: fan of starting a sentence with because.
0: <laughs> no. No, not not at all. So uh, there you go. But that's just just my judgment. mm -hmm, Just thought I'd uh, throw that out there. So as you make your arguments here on this edition of Cardinals Underground, uh, in the week before you're going to the Combine, just remember you might want to state your case accordingly and use the word because to actually bolster your argument, Danny Sarek. That's all I'm throwing out there, okay?
2: Good to know. Thank you, Paul. All
0: right.
1: I'd prefer Danny just give her arguments and not give reasons for them. (laughs)
0: All right, so let's do this. Today is day one where you can use the franchise tag. Are the Arizona Cardinals going to use their franchise tag, everybody now, in
2: 2024? Heck no.
0: No. Okay. And we don't even need a because in that one. That just goes unsaid. As for Cardinals free agents who are most apt to stay, actually, give me your power poll. Top three Cardinals free agents in terms of importance. To the 2024 of their season, their own. Your Monti support, your Jonathan Gannon. Who do you view? Look at the list as the top three free pending free agents. Can we all agree that Hollywood Brown would be number one, or are you going to argue one of the D linemen?
2: He'd be in my top three.
1: In your top three, uh, yeah, but if you're doing a power poll, would he be number one? Mm. I, I saw
2: probably uh, yes. Yeah, I would just agree. looking at the rest of the room of, of we're sitting here not knowing. What free agents yeah. are going to be signed? I would say yes, Hollywood Brown is number one. You have to bring him back as a pending free agent.
0: Because I could argue that your number one corner is on this list. As currently constructed, Antonio Hamilton is your number one corner.
2: I think I would still say Hollywood Brown.
0: He's also older than your defensive coordinator,
2: who's still young.
0: So I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, you're also very thin. Your thinnest position group of any. Right now, do we all agree it's defensive line?
2: That uh, was the one that was originally kind of...
0: I would like to see L.J. Collier back. Carl- what if it
2: weren't Holloway Brown? I was thinking a D-lineman, but uh, yeah, definitely important. You know,
0: Carlos Watkins, Leckie Foto, uh, you know, the D and D-line, you need depth. So those guys are there. I'll, I'll also argue long snapper, Aaron Brewer. How many times did Aaron Brewer's name get mentioned this season? Bupkis, and that's a good thing.
2: Well, here's the thing is they had...
0: What about Matt Hembro Who
2: was on IR. The Cardinals kept around all year. Okay, That would be the only yep. thing where I, I don't know that. What
1: about Blake Gillikin, who had a...
2: That would be more important a, to me. A
1: record-setting year, and we don't know what's going to happen.
2: You need there. a punter. Come on, Paul. You're always team special teams.
0: You know, I only recently realized he did set a single-season all-time Cardinals record for
1: net punting average. Not for net, For for gross okay Okay. but it was far from gross so he had a yes it was over 50 yards a punt Mm -hmm. the first cardinal ever Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm.
0: that okay so all right so those guys are are out there um i mean what do you what about a jeff swain by the way you know you don't have a real deep tight end room right now and we saw how effective the cardinals were in multiple tight end sets
2: not not a top three still important are we out of the top three? or Are you still asking top three before I guess it's good. I answer my question? <laughs> because I need to know to give Paul's a all over the answer. place.
0: Because because you could get a because go tracker yes, a ding every time. Yeah, we see whatever that whatever episode. direction you want to go on that one. Uh, because they call him Coach Swaim, <laughs> I do think he is important to the room.
2: I agree. As as you're blocking tight end, I, I'm not sure that um, you really have another true blocking tight end in that room right now. Maybe some younger players that could get there with another year under their belt. You've got Trey McBride, who's your true catching, number one, true tight end, but you need more than that, especially with what offensive coordinator Drew Petsing likes to run and the packages he likes to have with all of those tight ends. I do think that Jeff Swaim would make a difference returning to this offense.
0: By the way, how did how did Trey McBride end up on with uh, Kay Adams and then Chris Long? I guess he has his podcast that gets he pretty to good. the Super Bowl. Is that what it was? He did the yeah. whole car wash thing yeah. at the Super Bowl. I was wondering how that happened. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure. By oh, the I, way, by I, the way, Darren, we're not talking about Kay Adams supposedly dating Sham Sharania. Uh, that's all it was all over Twitter. By the way, did you happen to amazing. see that one? I on, on the
2: Pat McAfee show. Yeah. Well, he sent Kay like shoes for valentine's day like
1: shams or pat mcafee shams oh, okay. I, I
2: don't know maybe air force ones or something like sneakers i think and then he was on the pat mcafee show i think he sent those for valentine's day it was it was last week and then he was on the pat mcafee show and mcafee straight up asked him are you dating k Adams? and it was this whole roundabout way of him yeah. saying essentially no i think he was intentionally trying he to dodged he, it real right well. but i think he was it almost seemed like he was trying to dodge it to keep it like a secret but I didn't get the vibe that he was doing that because okay. they're together. I got it. I was like, we're not together, but this is something that people like talking about. But I'm about. hoping Let's we're together. let keep the mystery.
1: <laughs> because, yeah. no. Yeah. I just, would say my top three would be Hollywood and Collier and then probably Carlos Watkins, just knowing where they stand at the defensive line. If I had to do a power pull of three. But as you mentioned, yep. there are multiple people on this yep. list that would help them if they came back at the current
0: moment. I actually would agree. It's the rare occasion where we agree. I, I, would, I would say, yeah. And then I would also throw Antonio Hamilton as uh, you know, someone i like to see back. Now, Antonio Hamilton as the nickel or dime corner. Okay, now let's go. You, you have two other corners uh, ahead of him. And um, you know who knows? Maybe that comes in the draft. Maybe that also comes in free agency. Maybe that comes courtesy of a cap casualty. So there's some NFL.com stories that have come out already this week after President's Day, and they're talking about some of the notable names that might be cap casualties, like, oh, I don't know, a recent All-Pro and Xavier Howard of Miami, because Miami is in such deep water when it comes to the cap, they're going to have to make some really (laughs) hard decisions, and he's really well-paid. And so Xavier Howard might hit the street because they would save nearly $19 million. J.C. Jackson went from New England to the Chargers and back to New England. And he would carry a $14.4 million cap hit. So they don't forecast that J.C. Jackson would be on board with the Patriots.
2: I think my memory is not serving me correctly. Was J.C. Jackson the player who the Patriots cut because he, like, he didn't travel to their international game because he was missing meetings or late to meetings or something? No,
0: no. You're no who of, am I
1: thinking you're of? You're thinking of the kid from ASU. Um, oh,
0: yes. Um, who's with Lucas? the Raiders now. No. No, no. It's uh, Jones. Jones, it's, it's yes. Jones. Jack Jones. Jack Jones. Oh, okay. Yes, yes.
1: But no, it's not the same guy. J.C. Jackson's the one who had a fantastic year with the Patriots a couple years ago during his free agent year. The Chargers signed him to a bunch of money, and then – Within two months of the season starting, he basically lost his playing time because he wasn't playing well enough.
0: By the way, according to this NFL.com story, we need to really keep an eye on the L.A. Chargers because they are up against the cap and beyond. And and
1: you have a new coach who wants to probably change out the roster. And
0: a new GM. So they're saying it's going to be a choice between Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack. One of those two is probably going to have to go. They also say that the Chargers are going to have to choose between Mike Williams and Keenan Allen at receiver. And that the fact, yes, believe the Chargers are targeting receiver at number five right behind the Cardinals. Because they'll draft that receiver and then one of those two big name, highly paid guys is gone. So it just makes me wonder, okay. If the Cardinals don't end up with Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four overall, could there be a receiver for one or two years Maybe. that they decide to pay the money?
1: Mike Williams is always hurt. Yes, he is. So what's the, what's the upside there? Yeah. Uh,
0: by the way, Keenan Allen had a heck of a year. He I, did. Pro Bowl, and but he's going to turn 32 this spring. And the
1: Chargers did an excellent job when he got to 10,000 yards of showing every single one of those yards on a
0: Twitter video, which was <laughs> they? awesome. Really? Oh, Did you not remember that? They're known for having a really good oh, yeah. social media yeah, department, they, right? They
1: put together a video that showed every single one of his 10,000 yards. No. So obviously they were all his catches.
0: Okay, I'll
1: have to check that out. It, it, it went okay. up for a while, but yeah, you can find that.
0: By the way, uh, Joey Bosa also injured all the time. Yes, uh, over thirty-six million dollar cap hit, and Khalil Mack thirty-eight point five million. So combined, says here they carry an absurd seventy-five million dollars or so against the cap just on their own. The two of those guys for the Chargers. So uh, two words: he gone. One of those two guys is not going to be around for long. So I'm just wondering. What does this mean for Monty Austin for? Because we truly don't know how aggressive Monty might be. Let Monty cook. Does that go beyond the war room? And does that mean free agency? Does that mean some of these cap casualties that hit the open market? Now that you're armed with what I don't know, salary cap sites say is 40 to 50 million in spending power?
1: I don't know. I, I, there's a reason these guys are going to be on the open market. And it's more than just how much their cap number is. And that needs to be remembered. I mean, we just went through a bunch of those guys being hurt all the time. Um, And I just don't see Monty as that kind of guy. And I'm not, you know, as we kind of continue to build this up and knowing that he was with the Patriots and then he kind of was with the Titans. I mean, I'm not 100% sure we're going to see a lot of splashiness.
2: I would see it more as it just we get the feeling of emphasizing youth and and developing your own so I could see maybe a splash move or two for a position you really need where you don't have that depth you don't have that star power that you're looking for that you feel like you need I don't see it as a long laundry list of bringing a bunch of veteran free agents I don't see that I could see maybe one or two the thing is though I and I I agree with your point Darren of there's a reason teams are, are letting players walk there's also situations though where players kind of Rejuvenate their career. I mean, look at what James Conner has done That's since true. he came here.
1: That's true. But one of the reasons, in my opinion, it's been such a revelation for the Cardinals is because despite arguments to the contrary before last year, like you've gotten him for a reasonable amount of money. The thing is, is what will Joey Bosa look for on the open market if he is released? What would J.C. Jackson be looking for on the open market. If if a guy is willing to come here for one or two years and play for peanuts, sure. But I, I, don't, I don't see you handing out that kind of money, any kind of big money.
2: And I don't see the Cardinals as one of those teams where you'd be willing to take nope. peanuts yes. and come play here for a year <laughs> or two because that would imply that the Cardinals are one, maybe two, not even positions, but key players away from really being a dominating force a threat and that's just not where they're at in their transition period right now
0: there's the old risk reward of free agency for example here's one uh, miami defensive end emmanuel ogba right so he had a couple of really good years 20 and 21 got a four-year extension since that extension he started just four games and logged a total of six and a half sacks is uh cutting him would free almost 14 million in cap room so they say they the Dolphins' defensive end is hitting the open market, and then this one I have a hard time believing. But the first name on the NFC list on NFL.com was Packers defensive tackle Kenny Clark, coming off a of Pro Bowl year, his third Pro Bowl season. But they say it would save them twenty-seven point five million against the cap, and the Packers don't have a lot of room, and they got to figure out how to get more weapons around Jordan Love, and then they got to figure out his contract See, as well.
1: That's the Something like that feels like a you restructure or you extend or you do something because you're not going to get rid of a guy who just made his third Pro Bowl and is playing that way.
0: Well. In his prime. I would
1: find that hard to believe yeah. that they would just get rid of him. Yeah. And, that, and that's, again, when we talk about potential cap casualties or we talk about the team, the players that are scheduled to become free agents, I mean, we are – let's see where we are – on March 13th or 14th, right before free agency starts, in terms of how many of these guys are actually going to be out there and available. Because I'm guessing a lot of these names
0: won't be. But in terms of Monty's second off-season, I mean, we all agree that last off-season was more okay, you know, let's tread lightly, figure out what you have, more importantly, what you need. Now you have a much better understanding of the ingredients needed, right? And so we talked about that at length last time on Cardinals Underground. But I would think that once the league is open for business, there's going to be some really specific targets that he's going after. And I'm guessing, based on how aggressive he was in the war room, that you might not see a ton of it, but you're at least going to see a little bit of it in free agency once this league is open for business. That's my expectation
1: possible but but again part of what plays into who you might chase as a free agent is and part of why these guys might not be as valuable to their current teams isn't just the money it's also like fit or personality and if there's anything that Monty and JG have emphasized and made very clear is that they want the right kind of people in the locker room so that kind of stuff we may not know about about, about who might be available on the open market. But, I mean, if they've heard certain things or if one of the reasons a guy is going to be available is because he doesn't quite fit, I don't see them, they're, they're not going to go after a guy just because he plays really well. And to your
0: point, so I hosted this recent uh, fan interaction event and it featured Manny Ford and Jonathan Gannon. And uh, Jim Hunter put together this rejoinder we've heard before of Garrett Williams being drafted in round three out of Syracuse and at the very end it's from the war room and it's the phone call from Monty Asiport to Garrett Williams and he mentions their meeting they had at the Combine. So during this event I asked because Garrett Williams mentioned it as well in the Big Red Rage and said it was just a great meeting. I said okay what was that all about and and Manny Osivor and Jonathan Gannon went into great detail about how it was at the very end of one of the combine days. They'd done a hundred interviews in their estimation, or at least it felt like it, and they're dragging It's after 10 o'clock, and the last scheduled interview is a DB, a corner, coming off a knee injury, Garrett Williams from Syracuse. And the moment he walked into the room, just his energy, his intelligence, his enthusiasm, He said they went from slumping in their chairs and ready to call it a night to on the edge of their seat, and by the time the 15 minutes was over and Garrett Williams had left the room, they looked at each other and said, hey, we got to move that guy up on the board. That guy is a potential Arizona Cardinal, and I just thought it was a great story about everything you can see on film, all the measurables, it's the known versus the unknown, and you guys know much better than me. I've never been to a combine, and two of you have been to plenty, so when they go there and they they're not kidding when they talk about how influential those meetings are right even if it's 15 minutes just that one-on-one if they can try and glean a little bit about the human being inside the face mask then boom it apparently obviously goes a long way
2: that's the important part about the combine it's the medicals and the interviews yes the drills are important however there's a good amount of scouts from each team that won't even stay for those workouts because they can get that film and that way you're seeing similar to something like the Senior Bowl. That that is just a smaller piece of all the film your scouts have watched or going out and watching these players throughout the season. The combine itself is so important to understand, not just a prospect's personality and how they carry themselves, how how well do they understand the game? They're getting quiz. They're 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 in there and it's not just getting to know you. They're asking these prospects about how they would read something or a specific play and what they saw in a game. Or they might have a position coach in there of, hey, if I tell you this and this and and trying to kind of quiz them and see how coachable they are. That's what's important about the combine is getting to know, yes, their personality is going to be a fit in the locker room. And also, how coachable are you going to be? How quickly are you going to pick up on things? How do you see the game? And it's important. You don't have a lot of time. I mean, it's like, I don't even know if it's a fully like 15 minutes. It might be something like 12. Yeah, is it 15. 15? It is
1: 15. It's supposed to be 15.
2: Mm-hmm. It's quick.
1: I, I I recently did a post on the, the ESPN did a, a redraft of last year's draft. And no trades were allowed. So the Cardinals were... Stuck at three, and they in this redraft, they took Will Anderson. But the reason I noted it or paid attention to it...
0: And C.J. Stroud went number one, I
1: presume. uh, I believe so, yes. Um, One of the reasons I I paid attention to it was because the, the Raiders, who were picking seven, which ended up being one behind the Cardinals when the Cardinals were done wheeling and dealing last year, basically wanted Paris Johnson. And that's one of the reasons the Cardinals wanted to move up to six. And I've gotten some feedback on that being, you know, like that's still stupid. And, you know, Paris Johnson wasn't even the best tackle available and all this stuff. And it I thought of this when I I had heard the audio of the event you hosted, Paul. And one of the things I did notice was Monty talking about how this is about their how they evaluate these players. It's not what the mock drafts might say. It's not what even even other teams might say. This is how they do. And that's, that's one of the things that I always found interesting. You know, fans get upset about this or that when it comes to the draft, and yet there's processes in place with each of these teams, in this case the Cardinals, of how they get to their board, who they're trying to get, why they're trying to get there. And you will never have all that information that they have. If you're a fan, okay, maybe maybe the film says player X is a little bit better than player Y at tackle. But if they've gone through interviews and they've determined that player Y, even though he is just a tad below him, talent wise is a better fit for your locker room or better fit for what you wanna do or you just like the, the personality you're bringing in, that changes the equation that Joe Blow on the street is never gonna understand. And that doesn't mean they're always gonna make the right picks, They're going to make, but they're gonna make the picks that they wanna make rather than based on, because this is, as we've yep. talked about a million times, this is not science, it's not, it's a guessing game. It's, it can be uh, intelligent guessing, but it's still a guessing game.
0: Speaking of mock drafts, on the day of this uh, podcast, we've had the uh, Daniel Jeremiah 2.0 come out. Here we go. Caleb Williams, number one to Chicago. Drake May, number two to Washington. Marvin Harrison Jr., number three to New England. He has New England finding a veteran quarterback in the offseason. And then number four, Malik Neighbors. To the Arizona Cardinals. Now, LSU wide receiver. That's in addition to Lance Zerline, also NFL.com, recently having the Cardinals going receiver at number four. And not Marvin Harrison Jr. either. In that mock draft, he had the Cardinals going Rome and Dunze. Was
1: Marvin off the board on his draft, yes. too, though?
0: Yes. So. I just don't see that happening. In nope. this Daniel Jeremiah, right, if
2: it's not Marvin Harrison Jr, right. I don't see the yeah. Cardinals taking another yeah. wide receiver at 4.
0: In fact, in the Daniel Jeremiah, Joe Alt goes number 5 to the Chargers.
2: That would seem like the Notre Dame Dame tackle. For Cardinals.
0: To me, if Marvin Harrison is off the board and they stick and stay at number 4, Joe Alt or the tackle position would be much more likely.
2: You know, I saw something on Twitter today. I believe it was Matt Miller, maybe who I who I saw it from, and it was a really good point talking about the Patriots' at three overall of not taking a quarterback, essentially looking at what Carolina did with Bryce Young of taking a quarterback in a situation where the rest of the team is still in such a heavy rebuilding phase that he didn't have the proper production or the proper pieces around him to be successful. And and that slows down the process as a whole. And so the argument was the Patriots should take a wide receiver get a veteran quarterback and kind of build around that way and maybe even if you know we've seen online maybe the quarterbacks for next year's draft aren't going to be as highly graded but if you can get by for a year or two with a veteran quarterback and drafting if you're new england drafting a wide receiver at three overall rather than a quarterback which has been the talk for the last couple of weeks or months at least in a lot of these mock drafts because you know the patriots need a quarterback and you got the third overall pick right kind of seems like that would go hand in hand But I do think it's a good argument if you're New England of finding a veteran quarterback that you like and using that top pick for maybe another piece, especially what Marvin Harrison Jr. has been described as a generational talent as a wide receiver.
0: The only thing is that, and Matt Miller's on board with this, and Daniel Jeremiah as well, is that if next year's QB class is so poor, then can you afford to wait two years, essentially? Uh,
1: Again, this comes down to, in this case just like with the Cardinals. What do the Patriots think of these quarterbacks? What, what, do, if they think one of these top three, you're assuming, uh, is a guy that you can be your long-term guy, then yeah. If, if you're looking and saying, okay, uh, just for argument's sake, Drake May and Caleb Williams are, but they're both off the board by the time we pick, then no. Now, the problem they're going to have is that to get the veteran quarterback, you're going to have to make that decision long before the draft. So they're going to already have to make the decision, okay, there's not three quarterbacks that we really love. And so if one happens to drop to us, great, and we'll let them sit behind veteran guy for now, but we're going to assume that those top two guys that we like are going to be off the board, and then we need to make sure that we're covered. And I would think, quite frankly, with the way the Patriots are situated – I think they could sign a veteran quarterback and I wouldn't be ruling out they could still take a quarterback.
2: Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, if they sign a veteran quarterback, how fun would that be? Because it would be pretty telling. And then you see the other teams maybe start to scramble a bit of who, who wants to jump up, who wants to get Marvin Harrison Jr. Is it the Cardinals? Are they willing to make a trade in? And or or a quarterback. Right.
1: But, but see, here's the thing. What quarterbacks are going to be available? I mean, I can only think of, what, two off the top of my head, that if the Patriots got him, you're thinking they're definitely not taking a quarterback. Kirk Cousins, or you trade for Justin Fields, right?
2: Who who unfollowed the Bears on Instagram.
0: What about (laughs) Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo... I mean, there's... Jimmy I know, But,
2: but I know, again, but I I, my point was... Many, not the first two games.
0: 15-game okay. season.
1: But but I said guys that you would sign that you would know that they're not taking a quarterback. You you really oh, think... Oh,
0: not taking a quarterback. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: I'm not saying there aren't other veterans. I'm yeah. saying veterans you would sign where you're saying, okay, Patriots are absolutely out of the quarterback drafting game in you the first think, round. You don't
2: think if they signed Russell Wilson that would be two years and then you approach a quarterback in two years?
1: If you sign Russell Wilson... Let's say Russell Wilson still has something left, which I'm not sure he does, but let's say he does. You aren't going to be high enough to draft another quarterback, and you're going to be in a world of hurt in two years or sooner if Russell Wilson, it turns out, doesn't have anything left. If you're third and there's a quarterback there you think can be that guy, you can't pass him up. I don't care who you sign.
0: so so let's hit zoom out let's recap the three teams ahead of the cardinals as we see it right now and you guys stop me when you disagree number one chicago they're going caleb williams sure feels like it they could have taken cj stroud last year let's not forget that they didn't they got to be kicking themselves they traded out went from one to nine carolina screwed it up took bryce young so are they going to give justin fields another prove it year no not when he's on the hook for big money. So they move him now, maybe a Pittsburgh, maybe a Raiders. Somebody comes up, they want, uh, you know, Atlanta, perhaps. They want Justin Fields. Okay. So they're going Caleb Williams. Washington's going quarterback in number two. Number three, to me, if New England doesn't go quarterback, if in Darren's scenario, they don't like any of the remaining quarterbacks or so they don't like this class, I think another team who does like a quarterback will come up to number three and New England trades out. In fact, I'm thinking New England might be much more apt to trade out potentially than the Cardinals out of number three. And there's your three quarterbacks I still think will go, regardless of team, one, two, three in this draft, leaving the Cardinals with either Marvin Harrison Jr. or, remember my scenario, QB rising, if you can get that fourth quarterback to come up. And I bring that up because the guy who seems to be making the Anthony Richardson type run right now. It's JJ McCarthy from Michigan. He was number 10 in Mill Kuyper's mock draft last week. This week he goes number eight, Daniel Jeremiah. And we haven't even hit the combine or the pro day. So by the time we're done with the combine and the pro day and the interviews and the throwing and all the measurables and the medicals and everything else, throwing on air, boom, he's coming up to number four. Should be a best case scenario for the Cardinals.
2: Absolutely.
0: Now it's either best player or best trade package. Right,
2: because then the Cardinals have all the leverage.
0: For your future franchise but, quarterback.
1: But why is that the. Well, I guess because you, you, least have, you have the option. Okay. Then, because you have the option. Okay. Because if Harrison goes three, you're still, you're still going to have a team that wants a quarterback. That's a quarterback.
0: quarterback I would expect.
1: So you're still going to have that
0: option. Like I see the story, the Raiders right now, all right? The, the Raiders, and um, here's the headline Raiders OC Luke Getze. Excited to work with QB, Aiden O'Connell. <laughs> nope. Sorry, not Where, buying it. Where's
2: Vegas? Seven? Yeah. Is that what they picked? No,
0: they're uh, 13. Oh. The Raiders are 13. Yeah, see, that's the, that's the other issue is some of these teams
1: Oof. that want quarterbacks are pretty far down. I mean, the next, the next team that really needs a quarterback is eight, right?
0: Atlanta? Yes, correct. In fact, later in the story, Luke Getze believes that there is one critical skill that a quarterback should possess while playing the position here in 2024. Quote, It's really important that you have some type of escapability. you got to be able to have that second chance create the extended play, whether it's just sliding up in the pocket or whether it's extending it with your feet outside the pocket. Is that Aiden O'Connell, the fourth rounder from Purdue? I'd say no. In fact, if Jaden Daniels, He's there at number 4, and his former coach at ASU, Antonio Pierce, and they're in that Raiders' war room. And so you're moving down to 13? I'm thinking Monty Asifor gets a phone call and a heck of a trade offer from the Raiders. You
2: can get one of those top D linemen at 13, even if you said you don't want to do tackle. Maybe take a wide receiver at 27, or vice versa. Take a wide receiver if you go down to 13 and then attack the trenches Mm -hmm. at 27.
1: So what kind of package would you need to go from 4 to 13? You know,
0: I I don't have the old uh, what the old Jimmy Johnson uh, trade value trade chart value. in front of me. Uh, you know, you, you definitely, to go from 4 to 13, and once again, I mean, we you're, talked you're, about this last week, not only do you need the first round pick, but you need the QB surcharge, the QB kicker in there, because based on last year, you know, you, you could hope and wish and figure that it's going to be a top 5, top 10 pick, but... Look what happened. So if I'm Monti Asiford, I'm citing that to the team calling me and saying, because of that, guess what? I'm going to need some further insurance. What
2: about what about if if you're doing that scenario of you take a 2025 first and second from Vegas, and then maybe 2024 you take a later round because the Cardinals have 11 draft picks this year. I don't I don't know how much of a difference. <laughs> by that point if you're getting later picks in, of including, right including
1: including swapping yes yes I agree, I agree
2: of if if vegas is going to ride with a rookie quarterback cj stroud and the texans yeah, I was is an say, anomaly be what you're it's, it's an anomaly i mean you have to look at it as as what it is which is an anomaly what do you expect what we were expecting <laughs> last year of vegas is going to ride with a rookie quarterback of okay if you have their first and second in 2025 that's probably going to bode pretty well for you
0: and look he's in a division with you know Andy Reid and Sean Payton and now Jim Harbaugh so yeah I, I like the forecast as well just like I thoroughly was on board with the factoring of Houston a year ago they won more than four games in each of the three previous seasons and they're going to start a rookie quarterback with a rookie head coach are you kidding me? Yes, I, I'm totally with you on that.
2: So. I just I, I'm, I know it can feel like the Cardinals maybe got burned by that trade in terms of landing with 27 because of Stroud and the Texans. I don't know that I have the same confidence that Vegas would be able to to pull that off as well. I, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't stop me from looking at that that idea of if you're looking for trade value of looking at first and second for 2025.
0: And then because it's such a loaded O-line draft, you could still get your tackle and or your franchise center later in the first round. You could find a corner that, by most forecasts, I'm really curious to see what corner and edge rusher looks at the combine and whether that changes our thinking two weeks from now, what the thinking is, and whether there really is a corner or an edge guy worthy of a top five, top eight pick in this draft.
1: It's funny because Mina Kimes tweeted out that by her evaluation, 20 of the 32 teams would have to have cornerback as a major priority. Wow. 20 of them. Wow. Obviously, that includes the Cardinals, but that's a... And from everything I've read, cornerback is not strong in this draft, depth-wise.
0: Okay, so let's use that as the premise. Let's say, okay, that is the reality right now, and if there's much more demand than supply, and the Cardinals, they got to be in the top Five of teams in need of cornerback one considering that antonio hamilton is your top cornerback right now do you overdraft a corner terry and arnold who was figured to go 8 to 12 8 to 15 do you take a terry and arnold out of alabama number four
2: not out of desperation no, no. and if, if he's not high enough on your board to warrant that or, or maybe you're even stretching by about one to four picks picking early no, not no. with not with where the Cardinals pick. Again, you have so many other needs, and yes. and Darren has a point of it's not just other needs, it's the quality of positions like wide receiver and tackle that make it worth it to stick with those in the draft this year. I would not draft a cornerback strictly because you need one if, if that player, if the value doesn't warrant that.
1: I'm not stretching, and this this is essentially close to the same argument Danny just had, but I'm not stretching because this team isn't about to win a super bowl and you still have to build quite a bit of this roster and stretching to do anything at this point it'd be like it'd be like spending a ton of money on a certain defensive player in free agency and i'm not naming anybody i'm just saying it it you're just you're not that close to to be making risky moves like that when you have to build a roster Still, not only this year, but you're, you might be talking about the 2025 draft to, to get to where you really need to be. My only counter,
0: counter argument is that it's so loaded in O line, it's so loaded in a receiver, and you have 11 picks in this draft. You use your top pick, number four overall, to get the position group that's undersupplied, undermanned, and then you take your rest of your picks to target those other position groups because it's so deep in prospects
1: if i've got six guys above the cornerback at four and that's where i have to pick there is no way in hell i'm taking the cornerback no way
2: well and and the other point is is just because you draft him fourth overall doesn't mean he's going to be good enough on the field Uh, just because he's you're drafting him to be your number one cornerback doesn't mean he's going to be able to play like a number one cornerback against the wide receivers in, in the league, in this division.
0: Do we have to talk about Cody Brown again, Paul? <laughs> a, oh, boy. Yeah, I shouldn't laugh at that one. You're right. Cody Brown, boy, had no business being a top around round two pick yep. at all. And that was apparent right from the get-go. Uh, yeah, and you were chasing that one for a good three or four or five years. Yeah. You're right on a, on a swing and a miss like that. Yeah, the best case scenario might be, honestly, at this point, and it'll change every week until we get to late April, the best case scenario might be doing a deal with Atlanta. And guess what? You go down to eight. But at eight, at eight, you can still get a top offensive lineman. You can still get the top corner, perhaps, in Terry and Arnold, or maybe it's someone else. Maybe you go for, you know, the the best edge rusher in this draft, which probably won't go before number eight.
2: Unless Justin Fields Find his way to Atlanta before the draft.
0: Maybe it might happen. You're right. You're absolutely right. And uh, you know, but and and there are teams that I'm not. Denver, the Raiders, Atlanta, Pittsburgh. These are all teams that are. Minnesota. They need a quarterback. They need an answer. It's, at it's quarterback.
1: G- it's going to be interesting to me. The Justin Fields thing. If the Bears decide to trade him, what kind of package they get for him? If I'm Atlanta. I don't know if I'm trading the eighth overall pick for
0: Justin
2: Fields. I, was, I don't know that you'd trade a first.
1: I wouldn't think so, especially when everybody knows the Bears need to trade him.
2: <laughs> right.
0: In fact, I heard a ESPN Radio recently on this, and I think it was Chris Canty, who said, no way I'm giving anything beyond a round two for Justin Fields. That, that So that, that sounds about right. It's
2: not like he was lighting up Chicago.
0: And, and he needs to be paid. Right. Right. No, He's at the, the end of his rookie too. deal. It's
1: it's very Rosen-esque.
0: <laughs> yes. So, um... Yeah, so look, I'm just, I'm curious to what degree Monty's phone is going to ring. I wonder how much he's already had inquiries, people kicking the tires. I'm sure
2: more so starting next week after the, or during the Combine the week after, I guess,
0: two weeks. Yeah, and and I'm guessing right, at the Combine, people come up and, uh, hey, Monty, got a moment? Let's walk and talk, right?
1: I'm sure there'll be some preliminary kind of discussions, but of course, we're not going to know. Monty's not doing jack squat until he's on the clock and he knows who he could uh, potentially pick
2: it will be interesting after the combine of when all these players their agents and management and all that stuff and everybody's kind of fluffing up their own players yeah. <laughs> of you need a couple of days or so to really digest everything and kind of read and see what the analysts are saying because it's going to be a lot of oh this player met with all these teams all great he's expected to to be a first round but right you got to you got to take a moment and you got to make sure that wherever you're seeing that is a trusted source.
1: Every, every single one of the, either a GM or a coach, is going to talk to the, the teams that Paul just said need quarterbacks and say, whoever X is right now is, is a great option for us.
0: By just the way,
2: doing our due diligence.
0: By the way, with the Cardinals' second first-round pick, number 27 overall, you realize the most popular name based on what I see in the mock drafts, your guy out of Mizzou, Darius Robinson who balled out at the senior balled bowl out
2: at the senior bowl he's really M-I-G. personal he can uh six five two
0: eighty six. 286 he can rush inside he can slide out to the edge a lot of mock drafts have him coming to the cardinals at 27 overall we could
2: use some more tigers in the building
0: yeah. my guy apparently is climbing the uh, mock drafts jackson powers johnson the nasty center six three three thirty four out of oregon uh, the franchise center I was thinking maybe he'd be a possibility at 27, but uh, his stock has uh, been rising.
1: Here, Here's the problem.
0: As you say, his stock is rising.
2: <laughs> Can we get an ISO cam on I, Darren I for just, this, really? It's <laughs> funny because...
0: I know I'm in for it when he gathers well, himself. I mean, he, he, he leans back, he takes an extra a, deep breath in three, the, two, <laughs> one.
1: I mean the bottom line is when you start talking about these guys rising and and what kind of a, attention they're getting i mean in the end we don't we don't know that like we are just guessing it's like you brought up the daniel jeremiah mock draft yep he's got to d- he's going to do whatever five or six or eight versions right i'm sure and so it feels like it's good business okay so last one i had the three quarterbacks going f- top 3 so this one I'm going to make the Patriots sign a veteran quarterback, quote-unquote, and that means I can put Marvin Harrison there. And that's the other thing that kind of bothers me is, like, some of these mock drafts, and it might have been Daniels, to be honest. Uh, I read something recently where where Harrison went to the Patriots, and there's been a couple of them that have mocked that. And it says the the Patriots are going to get a veteran quarterback, but that's all they say. They don't say who it's going to be. They don't see how that's going to work out. Like, you can't you can't sit there and go, well, if you get – Player X is your veteran quarterback. I mean, you're obviously playing for next year. You kind of explained it, right. you know, earlier when you were talking about a Paul. But it's like that's that's just a wimpy way to go out with a with a mock draft. Well, they're gonna do they're gonna do this very vague thing, and that will let me put this player with them.
0: By the way, my new sleeper. Thanks for asking. My new sleeper in this draft uh, would be the Seattle Seahawks, who just picked up the twelve point seven million dollar. Geno Smith. Yeah, obviously. Geno Smith, right? And they still owe him another $9 million at some point in March. So, hmm, what are the odds Geno Smith ends up like Justin Fields? Very possible. Gets traded away. And then Seattle comes in with, oh, by the way, they just pulled in Arizona Cardinals. They have a first-time head coach and first-time coordinators. Seattle has gone. It's a copycat league. They just uh, went and, and, and replicated what the Cardinals did. They have a young first-time head coach. Uh, Mike McDonald, and then their two coordinators, uh, Aiden Dirty uh, out of uh, the defensive coordinator, and then Ryan Grubb is the OC, right? Past two seasons as the offensive coordinator, where Washington At UW dot 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 Michael Penix. What, what where are they picking? Where Seattle picking? They're mid first round. Yeah. I was just about to look that up and see. It's it's
1: going to be fascinating to see where these quarterbacks go.
2: And I think, too, of, and we'll never know this, I'm always so intrigued of when general managers are at the combine, which they can do this over the phone, too, of that fine line of having relationships of when you're talking about possibly trading around of, they're going to ask, you know, well, are, are you interested in this player? Are you interested in this? And how? Do, what's the fine line of, like, we're interested in and maybe this, these couple positions, and then when it's in the war room. I would imagine that that's a question on the line of, are you taking this player? Because that you know, and I'm just I'm always so intrigued to know how you handle those relationships and those and those answers. Of you have it has to be someone that you trust in getting to that point. But I think that's intriguing of the relationships amongst GMs around the league and how bold you're willing to be, questions you're asking them, and how honest they are in return of your as you're starting to get an idea of maybe. Who you could call up with a legitimate trade offer on draft day.
1: Okay, so here's my question of the day. And
0: by the way, just real quick oh, on Danny's sorry. point, I don't think it's a fluke that the Cardinals did a trade with the Texans last year. Right. Because or
2: the Lions with Dave Sears, assistant yes, general manager.
0: It, right. Nick Casario and Manny Ossofort, how many years together in New England? That's a great point. So my question of the day is this. uh What would you put the odds? And by the way, Seattle drafts 16th. Oh, thank you. 16th.
1: Uh, what would you put as the odds? And again, this is only for entertainment and not for competition.
0: So I don't
2: have to put a paycheck no, down. No wagering. Hypothetically. It's,
0: it's the old Letterman no wagering, please. No wagering.
2: Thank you. Uh,
1: what are the odds? What what has better odds?
0: Okay. The Cardinals
1: take a wide receiver at four, or they take one at twenty-seven.
0: I'm going to go twenty-seven because I still believe they're building from the inside out. <sighs> Is it close for you or This not? is
2: hard for me, and, and really. it's because don't, we don't know what New England is going to do. I and we and don't I know think, Marvin I think if Marvin Harrison is on the board. I was going to say, if Marvin Harrison is not off on the all board, these fans. I don't think you take another wide receiver at four. I think you take a tackle.
1: But see, that's why I didn't put names on it is because Marvin very well could be part of the conversation at four. But do they take him? <sighs> and someone might I be think, saying well i
2: think just for fun i'll say i'll say take a wide receiver okay four.
1: okay here we go what are the odds they don't take a wide receiver with either first round pick pretty and wait good until the second round
0: yes and yes
2: take maybe a tackle and a d lineman
0: or a tackle and a cornerback there are more pressing areas there just are yeah If Marvin Harrison Jr. (laughs) is truly that generational player and you're saying he has a legit shot right out of the gates to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, okay, okay. But since nobody really knows, ultimately, truly, I just think this set of decision makers view that as too risky.
1: Will Paul Calvisi, here's my final odds question, will Paul Calvisi wear a hard hat at the draft party in case the Cardinals have a chance at Marvin Harrison and don't take him. They might
2: throw mm. stuff at you. Mm.
0: Body armor? Full body armor? Is that what you're saying? I, I need to... Uh, just, just asking. Maybe I'll just bring up one of the players and I'll use them as a human shield. I'm, I, that's, I, I like to do that.
2: I feel like for your second question, I'd have to say to not take a wide receiver at all. I'd have to say slim if I'm going to say... In the first chance, round. Well, I'm gonna say if, if I'm going to say that chances are high of taking a wide receiver at four, I can't oh, go that's opposite and, <laughs> that's and say that's it's... a good point. So I guess I'll stick with that.
0: I mean, find yourself an Amon Ross St. Brown in round four. You okay. see recently he said he can name, he can recite all 16 receivers who are taken ahead no, of him in the draft. That. Find that guy.
2: I Again, if it's not Marvin Harrison Jr., if he's not available at four, I'm not necessarily set on taking another wide receiver in the first round definitely not at four it's just it's, it, that's the point of your question is it's hard when you've got one player who is being described as a generational talent and you don't know at this point obviously whether he's going well, to be there or and, not
1: and you don't know you might find a St. Brown you might find a Chad Williams and, and here's, here's the other issue that you have the lower that you go with the wide receivers they might be very talented they might be very able to perform well in this league and this is where Trey McBride comes in. But the later you wait, the less likely you're going to find a number one. So, do you need a quote unquote number one? Is Trey McBride enough? Can Michael Wilson eventually become that guy?
0: I don't know. For example, Cardinals went to Pittsburgh, and I remember talking in the pregame what happened to George Pickens this year? Two years ago, as rookie year, right? Yep. You're like, wow! This guy should have been the first receiver off the board. Oh, I know what happened to him, and he's got crappy quarterback. Could be. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah, and they fired the OC during yeah, the season and all that. Like I get him. it. Yeah. So, okay, that's part of it. Um, look, speaking of of Trey McBride and some of these young guys, right? Um, you look. He obviously was the breakout rookie from the 2022 class. The 2023 class. Who do you expect to make the biggest jump from their first season last season to this season? And to refresh everyone's memory, the Cardinals draft picks, Paris Johnson, B.J. O'Gillari, Garrett Williams, Michael Wilson, John Gaines, Clayton Toon, Owen Papo, Keitrell Clark, Dante Stills in round six. He got a lot of snaps. And then the undrafted guys, Amari Mercado, Starling Thomas, who was a starter by the end of the year, Elijah Higgins, who was a starter at the end of the year. Uh, these are all guys who saw time. So,
2: Wouldn't the easy answer be John Gaines who nah. didn't play the whole season because he was rehabbing?
0: Cheap. My, that's hard. My, my
1: vote, and it's close for me, my vote is B.J. Ogilari. I think he's going to get – I don't think he got a lot of offseason work last year. I think they're going to work with him. I think he flashed enough, and that's a position of need. It's real close with me on him and Garrett Williams because I think Garrett Williams – also didn't get an off season and I think is intelligent enough to really become a solid player, but I'm going to go with ojalari
2: Those were my top two. The third could have been Michael Wilson. However, he had that, that off season. So I guess I was having the same Doesn't thought process. I know, but I was having the, the same thought process. You were of two players and Ojolari and Williams. that didn't have that full off season and we still saw good things from them. Um, I I, th- I think probably Garrett Williams just, and I'm not saying that B.J. Lamar is not intelligent, but it just seems like Garrett Williams is mm. in, incredibly intelligent and, and sees the field well. And when you've got Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson right there helping you, I just I, I can't imagine he is anything but a big leap into year two with a full off season and you know presumably a full healthy season.
0: Garrett Williams made a comment on the Big Red Rage. He said he was already bored watching college football because the NFL is so much more advanced than college football. And when he watches college football now, he's not even a full year removed from the college game. He said he was bored by it because it's so simplistic compared to the NFL and everything that's on their plate, everything they scheme up and they run. I thought, so to your point, yeah, he he's definitely has a high football IQ. There, there's no doubt about it. My only pushback on the B.J. O'Gillari, did you see enough – to truly forecast a breakout year in 2024? Or are you hoping and praying B.J. Ojolari is the breakout may, guy? Maybe there's a little bit of that. Because it's such an area of need.
1: Maybe there's a little bit of that. I mean, I did think he flashed. Did he flash as much as I'd like him to? Probably not. Um, but we'll, we will see. They definitely need him. And I want to believe in, in the draft capital that they invested in him. I've seen enough second round linebackers not work out in my career, so I'd like for that one to
0: work. Yeah, if you made me put money on it and like serious stakes, I'd probably go with Michael Wilson. I really would, because I think the last two games were telling when he finally got in sync with his quarterback. When he finally, you know, those two actually had some chemistry going and they're able to make adjustments sort of with eye contact. And he described a couple of those third downs they converted. And, you know, once he, he really had some of those route adjusts down and Kyler could trust him and would target him more. If you're asking me who's going to have a breakout season, I could really see Michael Wilson being that guy, what even if they beyond dra- what he did. What if they draft Marvin Harrison? Well, and then if his targets are cut in half, then okay. And, you know, I mean, it always, doesn't mean he
1: can't make a, a right, huge leap right. and and have a lot lesser stats.
0: But, but if Hollywood Brown isn't around, and I don't know the future exactly, Rondale Moore, how they view using him, it's I fu- mean, he easily could get you know eighty catches as a number two.
1: I I I had a smile. ESPN did a thing on like all the top free agents and where they where their best uh, landing spot would be, and I found it interesting that almost I, I felt like. I'd have to go back and look, but I felt like 70% of them were going back to their, their original team, which I thought was interesting. Um, one, they had like Hollywood Brown as like the 10th or 12th top free agent, which I thought was very caught my eye. And at least on this list, I'm assuming it was the top free agents. And then they picked the Titans. And I'm thinking, Hollywood and DeAndre Hopkins back on the, <laughs> together
0: again. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Titans have a serious need. At receiver now. If well, they, they
2: didn't. They didn't even play a game together, if I'm remembering correctly.
1: No, they did. They, they did? did. I don't think they played very long together, but I do think. I think because remember
2: Hopkins was was suspended. It was yes. Diop, and, then, and, and then Hollywood Brown got hurt. No,
0: there, it was
1: delayed, but I think they eventually got they had, back on the field. They did but have.
2: Again. a They game never together. played
0: a game with Kyler together. Yes, that's what that's it was. The, what the what three was. of them. Yeah, yes, the three okay. Of them that's close. what I remember. But yes, that's a, it's a, it's a and, great and observation. And they would not,
1: the three of them would not play together in Tennessee
0: if that were to happen <laughs> Now, that would be a headline. That would be a, that would be a mock That would change a lot of stuff. Okay, so two takeaways. Number one, yes, Tennessee needs receivers bad, and they might overpay him. Like Jacksonville, once upon a time, overpaid Christian Kirk.
1: Although that worked out for him.
0: For him, it worked out. But, I think it know.
1: worked out for Jacksonville. He's well, been really yeah, good. Yeah,
0: okay. I'm just saying for the Cardinals, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. not a great scenario. Get it. I get it. Um, and then the other point I was going to make is if indeed Hollywood Brown is 10th or 12th on that list, and if they got that list from their uh, sources like NFL GMs and talent evaluators, that's bad for the Cardinals too, because people realize that he had a much better year on film wow. than he did in the box score.
1: We're going to have a real good sense, I would think, in a couple weeks of whether Hollywood Brown's going to have a market aside from here because it'll start leaking out.
2: When will the Cardinals find out about compensatory picks based off free agents that the Cardinals lost last year?
1: Uh, they're not getting any. None? No. They're they Their one chance went out the window when Yelda Froholt essentially became the starter and played all the time.
0: Gotcha. Hmm.
1: So they had, they had a chance – to maybe get a fourth uh, because of Zach Allen, um, but that was lost when Yelda played so much. So the, the, the person that I trust that forecasts these things, that usually comes out, and, and it used to come out during the combine, It now comes out sometime closer to the draft or later on, but uh, the forecast is that they're, they're not in a position to get any comp picks.
0: Okay. So last topic. We talked about the rookies. We talked about the GM. Let's talk about the head coach who's a year into the job correct a year plus Uh, what is better under Jonathan Gannon what is still a work in progress if he's making his to-do list and checking it twice if you're the head coach what still needs work Uh, what do you think that this offseason leading up to training camp between now and week one what is still a work in progress and what have been your biggest takeaways in terms of the biggest improvements under Jonathan Gannon
2: Biggest improvements still need to be made is stopping the run on defense. Is if the, if we're talking about things on the field, that, whatever I mean, whatever you want right. to say. Cardinals were bottom tier when it came to stopping the run. Yes, dealing with a handful of injuries along that defensive line, and obviously if you can't stop the run and they're going to keep running. Right, I mean just just the defense as a whole of not having the strongest secondary when you're looking at the cornerbacks. You didn't have a consistent pass rush, but it was really their inability to stop the run on a consistent basis that allowed opponents to control the game. Um, When we're talking about things that I think are improvements, accountability, culture around the building, I know that as fans or listeners, that can be hard maybe to grasp of. We might not, as three of us, for example, might not be able to do justice of at least the difference we see being in this building and interacting with players and coaches, whether that is through interactions, passing them in the hallways or media availability, press conferences, locker room scrums, whatever that might be. I I wish I could properly, I guess, describe it as you, you can truly feel the difference in the air of the accountability and really putting the team first and having that new mindset and that mentality. I think that was shown with the effort and the fight that this team had. In years past, we talked about how many times we saw this Cardinals team come out and have slow starts, and you're wondering mentally what is happening during the week, what is happening pregame that it doesn't seem like players and coaches are on the same page or maybe locked in, and we didn't have those discussions this year. I think a lot of that, yes, stems from ownership and from the front office, but really from Jonathan Gannon and, and what he is instilling in his coaches and his players, and I think that was the greatest improvement.
1: I That, that obviously is a huge one to me. Um, I'll. I don't disagree with it. I'm. I'm going to get a little bit more specific with a, a, a couple of those. Um, I would think the. To me, the biggest thing that needs to be helped is the defense, and obviously, Danny touched on a lot of those reasons. I saw, uh, uh, a tweet over the weekend that said that the Cardinals had the lead in ten games in which they lost. Mm. Now, being up seven nothing or three nothing, which counts, that's not a much of a lead. But I, I know that. Jonathan Gannon wants to get to a point where this team finishes better. Now, they need to get better players, and some of what we talk about isn't, quite frankly, in Jonathan Gannon's control. You can only do so much with the players that you are given, and I still think this roster needs a lot of help. But I I think the ability to finish um, consistently, uh, and that, to me, starts with the defense, because you got to make sure the other team can't just go down and, and get points on you when they want. I'm going to really specifically on what I really love, because I love all the culture stuff, which obviously Danny just touched on the, the rehab of the relationship between the coaching staff and Kyler Murray and the relationship that he's developed with a quarterback where this team is now to where they were 18 months ago with Kyler Murray. I do think there is good reason to think he can be your franchise quarterback. I do think they're making the right decision right now to proceed with Kyler Murray as the franchise quarterback. And I don't want to take away from what Kyler has brought to the table. I think he has made a legitimate effort to make sure that this is good too. Um, and I think the the injury played into that and growing up and all those things um, has helped it. But I think Jonathan Gannon came into this situation knowing that Some of that needed to be repaired, and he really went out of his way to connect with Kyler Murray, and I think he's done it, and I think that's only going to help this team. And I think, to me, that's one of the
0: biggest things that's happened. It's a great observation on Kyler because I firmly believe in hindsight that this was a prove-it season for Kyler Murray with this set of decision-makers. And he was quick to realize, wait a minute, they're armed with two first-round picks. And at the beginning of the season, it was easily both could have been top five picks, and it's a loaded quarterback class. And so I think that instilled a certain sense of urgency, and I felt like he had to prove himself. And then guess what? He had to prove himself in their system, being under center, running a lot of different schemes than he'd ever run in his life. And if nothing else, he had to show he was willing to adapt and embrace that change in the new scheme. And then those last three games when he did excel – and he found out, wow, this is what a running game, a top five running game, can do for a quarterback. This is what happens when I'm under center and I have the front seven guessing. It's not nearly as predictable. And and then I think they wanted to to gauge his willingness to change some of his ways and accept the coaching that they provided. So I, that's that's an astute observation, and and I echo a lot of what you said, Danny, about you know the culture and the accountability. There's no doubt about that. I'm also really curious if they're even running the schemes they wanted to run yet, because they were so undermanned on defense, is that really the Jonathan Gannon-Nick Rollis scheme that they wanted to run? Or is that what they had to run based on the personnel?
1: Well, and that's a great point because, and, and I've heard you make this point before, again, when they came in, they didn't know what they had. And they want to they run what the personnel is, and it, it'll be fascinating to see how this evolves.
2: And not only that, the injuries, not just with yeah, the D true. line. I mean, your linebackers. You released Marco Wilson, who was your starting cornerback. You had Keitro Clark starting, and he wasn't starting the second half of the season. There was a lot of yep. change for yep. numerous reasons that they were having to adjust to. So that's a great point, Paul.
0: And then there was that cryptic comment from Jonathan Gannon in the final press meeting where he said, We're tearing the offense down and we're starting from yeah. scratch. And I tried to press him on that a little bit at the fan event, didn't get anywhere with it. But it, it is, you know. I'm not sure how much of that was sort of okay. You know, he was kind of messing with the media a little bit. How much of it was, hey, we never truly got to install what we wanted to install because don't forget, we didn't have our franchise quarterback the entirety of the offseason. You know, I know I have. I know I dismiss that as how significant that challenge must have been as a brand-new coaching staff with a brand-new scheme and you can't even install it with, you, with your first-string quarterback. And then you have to bring him in mid-season, and he couldn't get any real reps. So what sort of ce- ceiling did that put on your scheme? And what sort of Good off-season you know, can they have, and are they capable now?
2: Well, and I mean, again, if you had Colt McCoy <coughs> through your off-season, right. and then you bring in Josh Dobbs, yes. and then you have to ride with Clayton Toon for a week. <laughs> Without a single a, a training camp practice,
0: you know? In fact, we asked that of Drew Stanton recently on the Red Sea Report, and um, he was adamant. Oh, the offseason is everything when it comes to the quarterback and his receivers, and Kyler had none of that. And so, um, yes, for all those reasons, I'm, I'm really intrigued uh, about year two. And Because? That, and because the two of you are going to the combine, we're expecting some next-level information from Indianapolis come the next edition of Cardinals Underground. I mean, you guys, what, what, what's the early forecast in the uh, – not the weather forecast, but, you know, what what are you going to be able to glean by the next episode of Cardinals Underground? What are the first two days all about at the Combine?
2: Hearing from General Manager Monty Asifort and Head Coach Jonathan Gannon at the podium oh, will be huge.
0: Okay, Do they do breakout sessions anymore after mm. the podium? Will they meet with – the media and uh, that there might are depend, coaches and GMs,
2: depends on the organization but, but not
0: these okay. okay depends on the organization right. okay we'll see all right um,
2: but there's going to be yeah we're going to have Cardinals underground Darren and I are going to be coming from joining Paul from Indy Craig Greal joining us this year so we're going to have a couple cover two episodes and I know I know we already have a few booked of some big name analysts to talk about draft prospects and the Cardinals big names
0: besides Danny of course
2: <laughs> So, I think it'll be a lot of good content. I
0: don't know. Grealu on the road. Is, is, is that, you know, I thought that was prohibited years ago for reasons well, we for won't the discuss. First, for the first I mean, time, he that, actually
2: cares about the weather. He's, you know, he's not just sarcastically bringing that up to me and you, Paul. He actually cares about the weather right. now in a cold yeah. place. All That's of a sudden, right. how about that? That's a
0: solid point. That's right, because he's going to be out on the mean streets. Like I, You know, forget the word uh, because. The word for Grealu is curfew. I, <laughs> I, I urge you guys to get a curfew in place, and that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.